Shane. You always had a situation in a big way, man. express myself sometimes when I need to be properly different. Fuck. The Death Star is w- w- Welcome to the lockdown. All of our opinions are our own and nothing to do with our employers unless you carry because he doesn't know whether he's going to have an employer <laughs> or not after this. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about productivity. Welcome to the lockdown. We're here to talk about. I don't know what we're here to talk about. We're going to figure it out as we go. Cam Sander. Pour on premium. We had a great podcast with Jamie Hughes last week. I particularly enjoyed um, the chit chat. I thought he was very uh, articulate about his training, his passion, and what he did. Um, uh, Welcome, Adam. Welcome, Kerry. Welcome, Jordan. Welcome, Cronkatron, Techmong of Master. Uh, what did you th- boys think of uh, Jamie's podcast? Yeah, it's very good. It was driven, driven guy. Driven, driven to do his stuff. One mind, one purpose. Like it. I think he yeah. was so professional that we were professional for once. Yeah, I think you're right, Cronk. I think you brought the professional out in us, didn't he? Yeah. Jamie, he was read the questions. And he, I think if we'd have pissed around as usual, it would have made us look terrible and he would have looked really good. But she looked good anyway. But yeah. um, So, just to recap on the... Uh, I, I mean, I guess uh, I'm going to pose a question to the, to, the, to the crew and see what you think. Who thinks we're coming out of lockdown? I mean, it certainly feels that way. Tesco Three certainly weeks, looked baby. that way today. Did <laughs> it? What? Yeah, mate. It was queuing around the car park in Fleet's Bridge today. Really? Yeah, I've, I had a click and collect, and the missus asked me to go in and get some stuff for the nipper, and I was not having any of it. It was, well, one, I couldn't be fucked to wait in the queue, basically, was what it was, but there was just way too many people, and my spidey sense was tingling, so I abandoned shit. But it was busy at eight o'clock when I went down to the in laws to pick something up as well. It was like, the building sites have opened near us. It was all like, it's all kicked off again. Mm. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Is anybody else noticing that the attitudes have changed? And and even though there might be a vocal that it's not well, business I, as usual, it's definitely heading back to business as usual. Supposedly, um, South Korea are back on the mats. They're rolling. Um, I think I've seen a YouTube video coming out of, the, out of there today. Um, Powell sent it over to me and he said South Korea they're rolling again um, they're, they're a very different kettle of fish though haven't they because they, they've had very yeah. well very few reported deaths and cases were they did, did um, contact tracing and a lot of testing straight away which and now the news on the or the word on the street is we're going to be using uh, Arla White as a contact tracing experiment 
do you think we're going to go down the same route with the uh, vaccine and use the Isle of Wight as a testing ground? I thought they were a testing yeah. ground for a lot of stuff, to be honest. I've been there a few times and it's a bit, <laughs> bit strange. That's, we don't hate on the Isle of Wight, though. We do love the Isle of Wight. I spent most of my childhood on the Isle of Wight. So. But yeah, I mean, it, it does seem that there's going to be this app. Would you guys, I know uh, I'm waiting for microchips any minute to be mentioned now <laughs> it's just the most okay. efficient way to contact trace us isn't it yeah it's good they're already yeah. doing it anyway yeah. like, like we spoke up earlier Cronk, isn't it? they're already doing it it's just having an app that's saying they're doing it they're already doing it to us anyway yeah. i've got a google phone and it, if i go into maps and and ask it to tell me where i've been it tells me everywhere i have been really um, yeah everywhere and right. I didn't even turn that shit on. It just does. It just collects that shit automatically. Anything right. you put into Google Maps as well, like it will remember. So you'll just be zooming in and say, oh, why does it remember that really niche place I've been to? Oh, yeah, because it's tracking me. Yeah, because at some mm. point I've, I've accepted some fucking bollocks that said, yeah, you can, yeah. you know, tell me every time I've been to for a shit. Yeah. T- tick if you really, really don't want us to take all your information and use it whenever we want to use it. Yeah. And if you do, then your phone switches off and you can't fucking use it. Yeah, yeah. Or it crashes. Paragraph 50. <laughs> you just ticked it all. Yeah, tick all. At one point, during those menus, you've ticked tick all and you've ticked it all right at the end. When you ticked, you didn't want to give your information. You went back and like, ticked it. Just looking at my phone now, I've never told it where I work, but it's worked out where I work. Just because <laughs> I fucking go there every day. So it's... So what, what, how do people feel about everything going back to normal? Do you think that it is um, it is time to go back to normal? Do you think this is uh, jumping the gun a little bit? Do you think this a is bit, a... a bit longer, a bit longer required, I think. Another three weeks. Like oh, I've always yeah. said, June, and then from June we can start coming back out in phased approach. Because that, the R naught number, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be chatting absolute rubbish, but someone said it was R... 0.7 so that means every one person if you've got it you give it to 0.7 people so you have 10 that then goes to 7 7 then give it to 5 I think it's all made then 3 then 2 and then it dies which so, is still quite a large uh, you know sort of uh, infection rate when you think about yeah. it if you think out of 10 people 7 people you know 10 people with it they're going to give it to another seven people yeah. that is that is not i wouldn't say that is a uh what i would identify as a safe time to yeah so drop it lower keep it keep it on lockdown for another three weeks all it is now because like, like you've also said there lockdown's finished finished last week really you know yeah. you know what i mean um being queues are open shops are open shops are carnage i feel one easy in shops because i don't know like i remember my phone drop on sunday day i went I was stuck in Tesco one-way system and I had to go back to the beginning. Went the wrong way. I went the wrong way, mate. Classic, classic can, corona mistake. I've got some, some <laughs> numbers that might make you feel better about deaths go in ahead. East Dorset. So, in Alderholt and Sixpenny Hanley, zero. Coalhill, one. Corfmullen, zero. East Verwood, one. West Verwood, two. Ferndown, two. Ferndown West and Camford Bottom, one death. Parley and Hampreston, three. St. Leonard's, one. Stemminster Marshall, nil. Westmore's, one. And Wimborne Minster, nil. That's the amount of deaths so far from coronavirus. 
Can I just say what that reminded me of? And this is nothing. This is going to absolutely <laughs> belittle the death thing. But when I was a kid story. and the radio was on and they used to read out the football scores. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pools. Literally the pools, what I learned. Yeah, the pools. <laughs> is that what it's called? The pools? The pools kids used to come to the door and they used to like collect something, a yeah. bit of paper. Football clubs. My mum and dad hated football, but they did the pools, and uh, that is literally. You, it was a f- massive flashback, mate. So um, <laughs> I'm not trying to belittle any deaths or anything like that out there because that is horrendously serious. West Ham and thingy. <laughs> yes, West Ham. <laughs> but I mean, the good yeah. thing is that there's only twelve in East Dorset, which is not bad. And the bet. So that's why fucking lockdown's over down here because we just don't give a shit because no one's died of it. Do you think? And I was, I was talking to uh abby about this other day who happens to be my wife for those who are listening don't know um do you think it is because dorset has a demographic that a are elderly so they don't really go out anywhere anyway b generally we are far more spread apart as rural areas are greater um do you think those two factors have a bearing on how many, you know, deaths actually occurred to coronavirus in Dorset? Because I when you go so. to like in, a, in a city, there's like bundles of people next to each other, aren't there? That's just yeah. I reckon I reckon it does, mate. I mean, we, the thing is, we we do have room here, and uh, you know, it's not as if we're living in central London, cramming ourselves onto a tin can to get to work every day. And I think the the amount of space we've all got to play with, um, I think it really has helped. But um, I saw a heat map of infections and death rates, and Birmingham and London, it's just like pff, crazy, you know. Yeah. But then again, all people living on top of each other there. Well, and primary using uh, public transport, you know, public transport in Dorset is shit, virtually non-existent anyway, isn't it? Yeah. You can get a bus that takes you a day to get anywhere every hour. Um, been back in Wales, mate. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I've never really been to Wales that much, but it seems a bit worse when I come from London and then I, you know, just there aren't any buses. There's no public transport. So you see an old person sitting on the bench, you come back an hour later, they're still sitting there. You know what I mean? Waiting for the same bus. It just hasn't come. So I don't know. I kind of think... Also, I'm not so sure the figures are so correct because I don't know if it incorporates care homes and things like that quite as accurately. But it definitely is encouraging down here. Um, I don't I think the fact that we've avoided the tourist times as well, which has made a massive difference. I think if this had hit at the beginning of the summer and got, you know, thousands of people on the beach on the on the piers and in the clubs and the bars i think you might have seen a different side of this but that hasn't happened um but but, i think most of them would have gone somewhere else afterwards they'd have been here got it and then done one gone back home yeah and spread it about there yeah there's um that uh, my memory is rubbish the guy the main doctor guy um Professor um, McGonagall, <laughs> the, right. the spokesman, the the, the chief the chief guy, well, he, the, the bull guy, Pepper. yeah, chief yeah. Keith. <laughs> 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 but 
but he, he did a, a lecture right at the beginning. Mickey G sent it through to us today. And um, it's very interesting what he was saying, because it, it, he was saying it's going to be bad, but he said most people won't get adverse effects from it. And I think that's what we're seeing now. It's gone through, they've done all the planning for worst case scenario. And luckily, by the skin of our teeth, we've made it through. That's right, because so, the Nightingale got put on, on uh, sort of like, put on standby today, didn't it? A big hospital in the, yeah. in, uh, the Excel. But, but then is this part of the master plan for the second and third waves? This is the first wave. Everyone comes back out. Gets it again. The weak, you know, not saying weak as in genetically weak, but people that have got comorbidities and that kind of stuff, you know, people with asthma and heart problems and older people, they're going to be at risk still, whereas everyone else... You've probably already had it anyway. And if you haven't had it, you're going to be okay or asymptomatic. Um, mm. I think that's, that's the issue we're going to keep living with. And, and it's going to be a case of in the lockdown where people are going to think, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. Sorry, you turned into a robot, mate. A nice slow motion robot. Yeah. Sounded like you had something really important. <laughs> it's the government they're cutting them off yeah they're cutting me off mate true mate, i could tell you right. what it is it's the lizard people they're fucking the reptiles did you mention lizards because that's when i turned it off when he started hey, going on about like cults and stuff and i thought you know what i'm out of this he would never. we're talking about um david Icke, by the way everyone if you didn't hear that yesterday the big what do people admit, think about the? I mean, we we briefly one million on views on London what do Real. Think which... about the the censorship, or it's not really censorship, is it? Because Facebook is is a social platform that is owned, so it's not yeah. really censorship. You can't really say, oh, it's free speech. But what do people think about like social media outlets? The reason videos? they. The reason they banned him in the UK and they basically just banned him full stop is because he was talking about 5G and there's no evidence to suggest that coronavirus is caused by 5G. But he obviously said coronavirus isn't real and this illness is caused by 5G, which he's since backtracked on. Mm. His shit, he's been banned, but London Real hasn't. But London Real's videos with him in were deleted. What they did yesterday was fucking hilarious so they started the stream on youtube and then they turned it into a private stream so it looked like it had been taken down but it hadn't it was just a private stream so if you were on the stream at the time it just clicked over to private so they were just looking for some controversy um so the the stream that they actually put out on the london real site which is their new freedom platform which is completely separate from youtube was on youtube so it wasn't like they were using Vimeo or Daily Motion or anything else to host a video. They just fucking used YouTube again and like made them look like proper pricks. And but then obviously, you know, the the loons that love it and listen to it stuck around and then they posted something else. So it came back up. Me and Adam watched it on some weird mirror site that it was just dog shit. <laughs> Absolutely dog shit. Yeah. But you've got he's collected um you know, very good marketing. He's to get to watch it on his London Real site. You have to enter your email. You have to subscribe or log in. He's just collect. If he has got, if he has had a million views, he's got a million emails now. Yeah, he's a fucking there you slide, go. mate. He's, yeah, he's yeah. got a million burner email addresses. He's not going to have anyone's fucking genuine ones, is he? I don't know. 
Okay, my mate. <laughs> <laughs> but but you look at the reaction that some people have had to this sort of stuff. I mean, you get things like uh, people calling uh, like O2 and like other sort of uh, service providers and complaining to them about the 5G giving everyone coronavirus. I know it's like very minimal cases and stuff like that, but it's just there's actually that actually happens. How nuts is that? I mean, the thing is, it's like the, the the one thing this virus has done. Yeah, it's been a royal pain in the ass for everyone, but it's highlighted how fucking stupid people are. There are so many mongs out there. You Mate, know, it just. Yeah. I mean, David <laughs> you know, Ike. David Ike happens to have a book that came out two days ago, and he's that's, done. That's convenient, mate. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's almost it's almost like his London real interviews were like a media tour or something. Were the only silly cunts that would have him on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's obviously it's making a living out of this, so I yeah, guess... there, and he lives in Yellow White. Well, is he going to get the app? That's what we yeah. want, man. Some, some. The thing is, like, I'm into conspiracy theories from a distance. There's a thing called controlled opposition, where you know, it's another conspiracy theory where certain troops are allowed to be um, released. Now, some of what he says is quite interesting, but then it's peppered with a whole load of bollocks around it. So then you think everything he says is bollocks, where maybe there is a couple of kernels of truth in there. But then you automatically think, nah, mate. Well, that's because yeah. he is he is a bit of a fucking loon, isn't he? That's, 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 yeah. that's the trouble. And and, and he, he is he's very transparent and he's trying to sell books. That's where he gets his money from. It's not like he's got a fucking job. It's like yeah. his his job is to sell books about his his theories. And if you've spent as long as he has spouting conspiracy theories, which you basically copy from everybody else, yeah. eventually one of them is going to have one of them in 50 years might come true. And then you can see I fucking told you so. It's the same shit Alex Jones does. It's like yeah. it's it's interesting to listen to. And I will always tune into it. And yeah. I'm always like, oh, it makes you think. But then. Yeah. Well, one thing he said, what I found really interesting yesterday was, um, again, I'm going to say two things now, so my brain's going to go all weird. But like, he's denying, he was denying coronavirus, uh, saying it doesn't exist, and then. Oh God, Adam's had a stroke as well. Shh. Yeah. Fucking useless internet. Yeah. Then five G yeah. calls it. Was it that? Was it that? I think I don't know, but I'm pretty sure the key to a decent podcast is a steady internet. Yeah, every uh, time Adam yeah. says something that YouTube doesn't like, it just fucking takes yeah, him down. Yeah, blocking me, mate. Yeah, but it's like, like um, it looks the, like he's constantly. That... It's like you're being filmed in a potato as well. It's just yeah. high quality all around. <laughs> but he's like, you know, AIDS denialism. He's doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you fuck. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> what was I saying? Something about AIDS. <laughs> yeah. You don't think AIDS is real or something. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go back to the you thinking AIDS is real. <laughs> oh god I'm crying <laughs> 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 
You know those videos where you see people laughing so you can't stop laughing? It's turned into one of those. But then no one can see us because we're not going no. out. And the internet's so bad no one can see us. The internet's so bad it's just like a blurry potato. I see a potato in some soil. Well, that might be Adam. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. That's a vision of Adam on bed. He was banging on about all that stuff, which is weird. And then he was saying something that was very interesting. Was that they're on about banging out the vaccine. Oh, they've done it so quick. You know what I mean? Testing testing people in London, which kind of stuff not testing them, but testing a vaccine on them. That I find that very interesting. They did the same with the Ebola. Yeah. But Ebola's been around for years, isn't it? Yeah, true. COVID's um, SARS, COVID nineteen, because it was discovered in twenty nineteen. Mm. I found that very interesting. You'd like to think it's because they've been, you know, the entire world has got together and started working on it. Yeah. But also, it's probably that the media are just talking absolute bollocks, going, "Oh yeah, we've got a fucking, yeah. we've got a vaccine, make everyone feel a bit better." And there's nothing. And then there's Leo, there's fuck all. Because Trump was saying today that they're not going to have anything until at least next year. Yeah. So what makes, like, you know, the sun think any different from... Fuck the sun. Nearly as bad as Daily Mail. But as well, I think it's like um, the government and uh, all that sort of stuff know this stuff far ahead of when the media actually says it. So, you know, we're only aware of it for a period of time. There's probably at least sort of a month ahead on how long they've actually known about it, so how long they've been able to work on it, potentially. Yeah. Mm. I find it very hard to believe that the government have a fucking clue what's going on 90% of the time, to be honest, haven't worked in local government, where they use... It changes day-to-day, depending on what the central government want, but... I they're human the beings. They're not. They're not special people. They're not like, you know. We're just a bit richer than anyone else. That's all. The no, they're, they're, civil, they're civil servants. They're not necessarily any richer. They they just they just have a job. They're like non-partisan employees of a of the government. They're just doing their best. They're not like, it's not like in fucking Contagion where you've got these super scientists and super you know, lunatic government employees that have got special the security access. Yeah, and you know, the CDC, bro. They're all just a bunch of fucking people like, like us. Thought that just happens to be their job to try and work out what the fuck is going on. And then mm. the poor, there's four poor cunts that have to go on the news every day and say, yeah, basically people are still fucking dying and nothing's got better. What I hate I at think... the end as well is the media are all lining up just to just to ask really stupid bloody questions. You know, none of them have any relevance. It's just like you know. Poking a bear with a stick, really, isn't it? <laughs> what have you had for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of everyone's fears are about the cash, aren't they? That's the not people won't say it outright, but that's what people are really scared about the the long term effects on people's money, people's mental health, all because the economy shut down and they've they've made a choice to sacrifice the economy for people's health. Yeah. Good good choice. I'd rather be alive than rich, if you know what I mean. Um, Sounds horrible, but you can always when when the economy's kickstarting again, as long as you don't die, you can make make yourself back again. You can rebuild a business, you can do everything. Obviously not as easy as me just saying that, but 
that that's the true choice, isn't it? Well, end of the day, we are just primates spinning on a big terrestrial orb. Like, you know, your health is the most important thing. You know, the money and the, the job and all that sort of stuff will come in time. As long as you're alive, that's all that really matters. And striving for it. Yeah. Agreed. I think we'll all become one when our anal, anal chakras are aligned. It'd be great. Oh, it'll be red ruby everywhere. <laughs> you haven't got an anal chakra because you're plastic Welsh, apparently. <laughs> Listen to it. I've been sticking too many leaks out there, mate. It's fucking broken. <laughs> do, we think, broken again. do we think traditional martial arts still has a place in modern society? No. I mean, oh, that's, you say I, that, you say that, but I think it can get people into martial arts. Yeah, I'm with Jordan on this one. I think it does. I feel like... I'm into martial arts purely because of all the old films, all the mysticism, all that crazy shit. I used to love that growing up. Yeah, um, for children, I agree 100%. I started doing it when I was a child, but not when you're an adult. I think if you if you look at some really high-level traditional martial artists, like Lyoto Machida and... Um, Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson. Stephen Seagal. Stephen Seagal has got some legit background. I've got some stories about him, I can't sell fair. He has got some legit background. Now, I'm not saying Aikido, but he doesn't just do Aikido. He does a lot of different martial arts. Oh, but he's nothing on Frank Dukes. Oh yeah! Did anyone actually ever see Frank Dukes? There was Frank. He did. He did. Try to picture himself Frank Dukes, didn't he once? But he was a ninja, so does he even count? But Steven Seagal, I'm. I'm not going to go whole hatership on Steven Seagal. I think. You know, I like his films. I like his films. Good films. Good skill. He had some good skill in him. He's like the original lock and lock and throw guy, isn't he? He's like yeah. that. that that sort of go but mm. I, d- I definitely think um i'm talking competitive high level traditional martial art it's not like giant fat ponytail tail oh, wearing re- rephrase yeah. i'll rephrase my answer then if that's the rephrase question the um the the thing i think traditional martial arts falls down is where you get all these again not physical appearance but you get people stuck in their own little dream world oh, i'm gonna punch you in the face and kill you mate and they've never done it. Does it how do you know it works? I think I'm going to pose this question to you: that traditional martial arts has been ruined because it has been commercialised by fat little men who used to be all right, but then become shit. But made a business out of teaching kids. Dojos. Yes, and I think that has made traditional martial arts almost a bit of a joke yeah whereas at the moment because there's still a competitive nature if you go to a competitive kickboxing gym or you know um i know that like a karate gym no matter what if, i mean i'm talking like elite level guys if they're fighting like i'll be honest i watched that has anybody said seen that karate combat at all yeah uh, i mean it is absolutely savage the guys on there i don't care i mean i've been in striking a long time 
And those guys are elite level strikers. They are some vicious strikers. They're traditional martial artists. The fact that they are, you know, they've got 7% body fat and they're like super fit and athletic and they could kick a lot of other strikers' asses. You wouldn't put them in the same category as, you know, your local taekwondo school owner who's, you know, 10 stone overweight and hasn't competed in 25 years. That's kind of where I'm going with this. You separate the reality of what is local to us from, you know, when you think about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you think about instructors that are reasonably in decent shape who compete, who do something, do you know what I mean? And then you look at, like, your local karate school and you see, you know, a a little fella that is probably well past his prime that doesn't keep himself in good shape. And I wonder whether that affects our impression of traditional martial arts. Because I'm kind of with George. You know, my influences over the years were, you know, they, it, it, oh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the karate instructor around the corner. It was like Bruce Lee, who was obviously like a super in shape, you know, not Shredded. necessarily competitive, but yeah, but like <clears throat> an athlete like guy. Mm. Do you think that has any bearing? Do you think that that makes a difference? Has uh, uh, that has that affected your opinion on traditional martial arts or the people that practice them? My, I think it was very much of its time, though. Yeah. Because, like, now, if you're if you're a nipper and you're thinking about fighting, the first thing you're probably going to see if you Google it, which is, I imagine, what they're doing now, is going to be the UFC. Yeah. Which is all of them. It's not just Wing Chun, is it, or or Taekwondo. It's, it's, it's more than likely to be Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo, or or some old dude in a pub. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's <laughs> that's their poster boy, isn't it? Or it's going to be could be wrestling someone to the ground and raping him. It's it's not going to be Bruce Lee anymore. Whereas I think 20- that's a shame, though. I think that's but, a real shame because the when you know, like when I was a kid, Bruce Lee was disciplined. Like you know, he, I, I don't know one of my mates that didn't have his poster, you know, or his DVDs or anything like that. And, you know, but he was disciplined, he was polite, he was reserved. And now you look at today's sort of, you know, fighting role models and they're just, you know, they just seem barbaric, you know, not very classy. They're, they're, think... they're like just exactly the same as boxers have been for the past 30 years. Though. Then I don't think they're any different. Showman. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is with, with fighting, fighting in general, you can have someone teaching you some good stuff, <clears throat> good skills, good technique, whatever, striking or grappling. Nice guy, but they've never had a fight in their life. Now, not only never had a fight, they've never competed in their chosen sport, chosen discipline. And the reality is, which is a good thing, actually, in our modern society, loads of people have never actually had a fight, ever. Now, for me, because I came from the ghetto, I had a couple of fights. So you the learn gato. pretty quickly. <laughs> the gato, yeah. Not... <laughs> you were born in the ground. The, the gato. <laughs> the chocolate <laughs> gato. From the grand pier I reside. But you know what I mean? You, 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 you learn pretty quickly what works, what doesn't work. And now um, I just, I got to a certain age where I, I was learning. To, I used to do traditional martial arts. And then you, I used to do karate. And then you, you tried, you tried doing it. 
for real. Some of it works, some of it doesn't work. And then you train something else and you think, oh, this is pretty good. And it progresses from there. But now, because there's so much information around, back in the day, it was VHS for me. She used to get videos of stuff. This is amazing. Now you just go on the internet. Like Croc said, type it in, out it comes. And a, and a lot of what you type in when you're looking for traditional martial arts is traditional martial arts fraud. It's that's that's yeah. almost the first thing the first thing you see now. There which yeah. when we were younger, and I know we're all probably born within ten years of each other, but we're, it's it's all pre-internet when we were kids. Anything you'd get in a magazine or from the library or see on TV, it was all traditional martial arts based. Yeah. Whereas, so I agree. I agree with Jordan and Dave that. I, I think it's better. I think we had it better. There was a certain level of magic and mysticism to it. We Whereas now the, it's the like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man. Come on. We grew that, up with that, that shit. Was, that was my starting point. But I yeah. tell you what, I feel like the difference between modern martial arts and sort of the more traditional is it's the appealability. So, you know, back in the day, it was all about the justice. And, you know, I fight, I don't, uh, I know how to fight, but I don't need to fight. Or, you know, I'll, I'll fight to protect the ones I love. Whereas now it's all, I want to fight to prove how fucking tough I am. I want to be the strongest. I want to be the sportsman. So I think that's the difference between. I mean, well, interestingly, I'll read you out this list. And this is not of, this is not necessarily modern fighters, but it's a list of, um, UFC veterans that have got a legitimate background in a traditional martial art. When I say a legitimate background, and and you can question me on these because there's a little bit about each of them, but at least, you know, a 10-year background in, in a traditional martial art. So, uh, Baz Rutan is a fifth-degree black belt in Kokushinkai Karate, <clears throat> and he started out in Taekwondo. Uh, Guy Mezger, if anyone knew Guy Mezger was, was one of the... Um, Lions Den fighters with Ken Shamrock was a Texas State karate champion, three times WFKL karate champion. Um, and he went on to compete in the Pride Pancrase and he won a lot of stuff. Uh, Chuck Liddell famously was of a Kempo karate background. George St. Pierre, you know, a lot of people miss the fact that he he does still and has always practiced Kyokushinkai karate and Shidokan karate, which is you know, traditional martial arts. Yuki Kondo was a massive pride fighter, pride veteran. Um, again, Kempo karate, uh, and he's got an MMA record of 49, 23 and 6, which is like unbelievable. Rory Markham, I don't know if anyone remembers him, but he was a, he was a really good grappler, but again... Shudokan karate, Kenpo karate, uh, real traditional karate. One that come to mind that I didn't realise had such a background in karate was Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid, which is one of my all-time favourite fighters. And he attributed his his striking accuracy um, to Mushin Jinku karate, which he still practises now. Semi-shil... Sam Greco, I mean the list is, but Shani Carter, David Loazzo actually was a Taekwondo black belt and still teaches Taekwondo. Um, like it's it's almost, I mean the, the list is massive. But going back to like Conor McGregor, when you look at Conor McGregor, he does not strike like a a typical UFC fighter. He doesn't necessarily strike his. When you look at him, 
he strikes much more like um, who's the Icelandic fighter? Um, Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Uh, no, not Gustafsson. Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson. He strikes much more like Gunnar Nelson. Who's They're at the same camp, though, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, same same voice. But again, yeah. but not necessarily the same backgrounds. Gunnar Nelson's got a, also a very strong karate background. So then what, what I'm saying is when you look at traditional martial arts, I know we all say, well, it's not necessarily the martial arts, but it's the martial artist. But for example, if Gunnar Nelson was teaching karate down the road, I would train with it <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Because yeah. I know whatever karate he's, he's doing is proven and works. So yeah. does that, I, I does think that... it's age, age as well, Dave. Like if you take a, not just age, ability as well. So if you take a <laughs> cross section between brown and black belts in this country, I bet you 99% of them have got a background in traditional martial arts. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So so like um, you do what works, and you keep or, or what what suits you. So you'll keep your search for stuff. You know, martial artists sound like a weirdo now but you search for the truth whatever the truth is being effective fighting effective competition wherever it is enjoyment you'll keep searching until you master loads of things or you settle in one thing and try and make that your your thing so um bjj is that is that thing for most people do you not think with with mma though they found some of they found right so it might not be five different disciplines or one different discipline but mixed martial artists have found very efficient ways of fucking each other up yeah and 100%. it's it's the traditional martial arts are still embedded within all of that there's absolutely no yeah. question about that but i don't know if they're as relevant to modern day martial arts which which are all mixed like that's what bruce lee wanted to get across it was that yeah. you take the best bits of each martial art and you, and you polished away with the shit yeah, yeah, you make them and, work and for if, you. And if you look at that, actually, when you look at a lot of Jeet Kune Do practitioners, and probably because it is a derivative of Kung Fu, but they, they still have a very... Um, they still teach a lot of traditional elements, Kung Fu elements in Jeet Kune Do and like that, that their mixed style. Um, and obviously weapons has a lot of traditional elements to it, but that kind of, I guess that doesn't even stand relevant. But I also think that Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners are guilty of having the same um, sort of bulletproof mindset when it comes to thinking that they may be indestructible because they know Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And it's almost a false sense of Someone punched me in the face, I'll cry. I'll cry a little bit. Someone punched me hard in the face. Someone, someone punched me in the ear once, middle of, that, a, middle of a roll. Don't know his oh, name. Hurts like hell. Really hurt, really hurt me. And like, he went pow, 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 and then hit me right in the ear. Don't know who it was. Someone that's quite good at striking just did that to me. Uh, Maybe you bit. triggered him. Maybe you triggered him, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're a trigger word, mate. I'm not going to say it live, but everyone knows what that trigger word is. But not, but not older people are like that, Adam. Some people think that because they do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they hold a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that they are virtually indestructible, that that is the ultimate martial art. They don't need yeah. to do anything else. And that is a mistake that traditional martial artists have made yeah. over the years. That The taekwondo guy, the karate guy, has thought, yeah. I don't need to do anything else. This is the complete package. If I, if I sweep the leg 
and then do a strike once down on the floor, they'll never get up. But that, we yeah. all know that's not true. It's like it's like you know, no. The what elephant in the room is someone getting you in some being got in a triangle and you biting their thigh. <laughs> I mean, they are letting go. I don't care who you are. You are never hanging on to that. If someone sunk their teeth into the back of your leg, that is that. You are quitting on your triangle and getting out of there. It, uh, it, it, I'm not trying to say, I mean, there's a counter to every move, isn't there? Yeah. But, but it's like we, like we said in the beginning, like, you've got to be a realist. Um, you know, that's why it sounds ridiculous, but everyone should have at least one good fight in their life, a proper fight. Don't go out and start on the street or anything, but it's very good experience. You either get beaten up or you beat them up. What if you get bumped? That's, uh, that's good. <laughs> Interestingly, but this is something I, you know, um, I spoke to Adam about like, earlier <clears throat> because someone once sort of approached me and it was another MMA fighter and they said something the nature of um, MMA, learning MMA as a self-defense is a complete waste of time. And I said, why? And they said, because I've never had a fight. And this was a person who was competitive in MMA. I mean, really quite busy and was a really good fighter. But they, they'd never had a real, you know, a, 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 a fight out on the street. That just hadn't happened to any effect, nothing to, of any of any sort of decent nature. What he was actually saying was <clears throat> the chance of me having to defend myself because I don't really live in a rough area and I don't really mix with people that are going to attack me. I don't go out late at night. I don't go to pubs. And I don't drink. and I don't do these things. It's highly unlikely. So to learn how to defend myself is almost not the point. What do you reckon to that, George? Do you reckon it that he's got a valid point? If you were, if you know, you're much better spending your time learning Spanish because you're probably more going to likely to use it when you go on holiday than you are learning <clears throat> to defend yourself. Well, I suppose that's the thing. Like you know, as you were saying with sort of BJJ, you get someone in a triangle, they slam you on the floor, they bite you in the back of the leg, or something like that. You know, MMA is slightly different, I think, because you are striking stuff. But I suppose it's it's what you're coming to the table for. So if you're looking for an effective self-defense art, uh, I mean, again, you're like it's it's uh, complicated to say because, you know, is it going to be a good self-defense or is it better suited fighting against fighting or something to that effect? Um, but, you know, I personally come to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the payoff of getting the exercise. It's not about the self-defense element as such, you know. It's nice thinking I'd maybe have a backup if something gets really, really tight, but I don't think I'd ever get in that situation anyway. Like, you know, I suppose he's right from the standpoint of I'm expecting to get into some sort of confrontation or someone's going to attack me or something like that. I think that's very, very unlikely, you know. The best uh, way to win a fight is not to have a fight at all. So, you know, I think... Yeah, he's he's probably right. If you're looking for a self-defense, you know, probably better spending your time elsewhere. I think it's one of those ones. Have you heard of the? It's better to be a gardener. It's better to be a warrior in the gardener garden than a gardener in war. But you're in your garden every day. <laughs> you might as yeah, well make definitely. that garden too sweet and nice, and put some nice flowers in there, and just 
But it's fun doing warmanship, isn't it? It's fun. No, but this is fun cuddling people. BJJ has lived on its reputation since UFC won, though, isn't it? And a very good marketing campaign afterwards. 100%. It did win. And then it won again in three and four. But then the wrestlers took over and they fucked everyone up for years. And how has it won? Has it won much recently? No. That's the question. No. Like Damian Meyer is the best. Is the best. Let's say, ex BJJ practitioner in in the UFC. But he's not just. He's not just going in there and using BJJ. He happens to be a fucking phenomenal grappler who uses yeah. wrestling and fucking sambo techniques and BJJ techniques and kickboxing techniques. And he fucked up Ben Askren, you know, most recently. But he's not going in there with a gi, you know, pulling guard and fucking trying to put worm guard on Ben Askren, is it? He's... Yeah, but I suppose as well, you, you look at people, like, for example, a good example would be AJ Agajam. Like, he came into Bellator just with BJJ and a little bit of boxing. And I must admit, his fights weren't particularly impressive. He got smashed standing up. So uh, he, he's... His showman, like his um, showing off, was almost embarrassing that in Bellator. Isn't, when he put isn't his he part forward. of your? This, what do they call it? Something shield? I don't know uh, what they call it, George. <laughs> like a boat mode, Some kind of shield carries. I don't know. Well, but he's Dylan Vanis. He's Nick Diaz's army now, isn't he? Yeah. Dylan Vanis again didn't. I set the world light when he went to Bellator, yeah. did he? I mean, I'm not saying he did badly. He didn't do badly. His jiu-jitsu actually was very effective, but I don't know how good the jiu-jitsu's guy. This, this is, he's an example of somebody that's world-class in one discipline. So he, there's no mm. question. He might not be the best. He's, he might not ever win ADCC, but there's no doubt that he is a world-class BJJ practitioner at, in the gi or no gi or whatever. He's, he's in the best... 20 blokes that are completing it is weight class in any given day when he goes into mma if he puts you in a fucking toe hold or a heel hook you're not getting out of it you're fucked because you just haven't trained enough in that one position mm. but if he goes against someone that's as good at striking and has a base level in bjj i would expect them to fuck him up a paul but, daly type person yeah paul daly's going to spark him out any day of the week yes but it's He's fight. They're, like, he's, they're building him, aren't they? Like they, you know. Yeah. He's, he's a good. Like these boys are both turned there now. It's it's complete, complete sport. You're a bit of everything, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm think... like a robot again. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was what Mark, Mark was saying, wasn't it? Say again, George, uh, Kronk. That that was what Mark was saying a few weeks ago. It was that like, it's not. It's not fighting anymore. It is a sport. It's yeah. it's changed from. But I suppose as well, the fundamental is there that at the end of the day, it's a fight. Literally anything can happen. You can practice, mm. practice, practice, have the perfect component martial arts. You can have the perfect package altogether. But all it takes is one stray punch, one glancing blow in the wrong place. And that's it for you. Which yeah. is why I think jiu-jitsu competition is so great and such a representative of not necessarily the punching and the kicking, obviously, because you don't have that, but it's representative of you are putting to the test whatever you've learned. And if you've practiced it enough, it'll work. If you haven't, it won't. And if you make a mistake, someone else will do something that will beat you and you have to go back to the drawing board. 
that is why competing is so good. And that's what was really interesting about what Jamie was saying was you, you didn't really hear him refer to anything in a fighting manner. It was nothing to do with a fight. It was all about a competition, competitiveness and inner like to win or to lose or, you know, and that is ultimately more so than anything else that you get in a, you know, one thing I can say for sure uh, that you do get from a real fight is you have to be on that moment. You have to be the most competitive person out of the pair of you, because if you're not, you're going to get your ass handed to you. Because even if the other person isn't as skilled as you, if they want to win um, more than you do, it is, you know, you, you, there's nobody going to pull them off. Uh, like no referee going to save your bacon or anything like that. It's that that is that is sort of a tough competition place to be, and the only time you replicate that is when you're actually in a real competition. You know that that's the mo- that's the most beneficial part of doing a sport like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it gives you that competitive edge. It gives you that ability to think clearly under pressure, which is an element of combat that is I think the most important element. So more so than anything else, even if a traditional martial artist competes, that will be something that they have over any other martial artist that probably doesn't compete and doesn't have that pressure. You'll know if you've competed that rolling in the gym is completely to rolling out in a comp. It's like, it's like it couldn't be any more different. There's, the pressure just isn't there, is it? It's not, it doesn't, it's not, doesn't exist. You can have harder roles in the gym though. Weirdly. You can have them, but I still don't think, I think there's... Stakes stakes aren't as high, is it? No, the stakes aren't as high and the pressure isn't as high. And I think the want to win isn't, I mean, it certainly isn't there for, for me. I don't feel like I need to win every role in the gym. But when I go at comp, I feel like I need to win... Or, or I want to win. I, I, I don't win every every fight, obviously. Um, but you know what I mean. It's it's definitely there is there is a a significant difference. I I suppose it's kind of like with the competition. Like you know, if you lose your first fight, that's it for you. Like you know, you know the money is a bit annoying, but it's it's not the the thing. It is literally you have to be present immediately. You can't sit there thinking, right? I'll have a gentle one just to warm myself up, and they'll be like, no. No, this person is probably better than you. They're probably more skilled. Their game might be your sort of Achilles heel. You need to go in there 100% and you need to think about winning. I mean, that's one thing I personally really struggle with because, like, it takes me a little, a little while to switch on just because I think in the gym, my atmosphere, like, the kind of atmosphere we have, it's like, you know, you have a good round and you have a bit of a chill. You're fighting someone on a lower level. You have a bit of a relax. And then someone of the same level <coughs> comes up and you turn it up a bit. But it's like... It's very fluid. It's not that on-off that you need for competition. And that's interesting because that's what Jamie was saying, wasn't it? It was about training how you want to fight. But I guess it's a balancing act between enjoying training because, you know, um, you still want to be able to enjoy and have the social aspect of training and be competitive at the same time. Um, so it's kind of an interesting balancing act, I guess. Um but I my, guess it, go on. It's the difference between 
like us being competitive just so we we make a good account of ourselves and the gym at a competition and like in Jamie's instance and and Ed for example this is this their living you know their competition um record is directly representative of the, you know the students that come and train with them because they're like well fuck it I want to go and train with Jamie Hughes because he mauls everyone in competition mm, it's, mm, it's, mm. you know we train with Adam because we can't get anyone better and he's so sexy <laughs> that you know we oh we, my god mate we can't. Well, what that <laughs> <girl> you are <laughs> <laughs> he looks like an even bigger potato he, his, his head is becoming a giant potato the more we talk I actually Hoskins planting <laughs> Was still handsome. You look like a Weetabix. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is a face. This is a face of someone that's had some fights. This is why it's not good to have that fights. Look at my face. That, that, is a pic, that is a pixel. I can't see anything. It's just pixels. That's a face of slow internet. We're, 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 <laughs> we're lucky that we have a black belt. You know, Adam didn't when he first started training. And, and you, you probably didn't, Dave. We're we're like you know started a couple of years ago so we've got black belts in fucking verwood for christ's sake like Mm. um but there are a lot of people that make a living out of this and and their competition record is is you know is their livelihood whereas we've all got jobs apart from kerry and we all um (laughs) we, we just do it as a hobby yeah i guess that might be the difference cronk between traditional martial arts then and brazilian jiu-jitsu when you look at it that way and that might be why brazilian jiu-jitsu is deemed i guess more effective more so by the people who do it because traditional martial arts doesn't have the competitive pressure on on it that jiu-jitsu does like you, you don't go to like the local taekwondo school and expect the instructor to still be active in competing but you probably would go to a jiu-jitsu school and expect that instructor to compete at least once a year just to keep the hand in it'd be nice to know or have competed you know what i mean and yeah. i guess there wouldn't you know out of our little uh, gym you know the percentage of people that do compete or at least have competed is probably i mean i'm this is me surmising i'm probably going to get you know a taekwondo guy on next week that tells us that 90 percent of his club compete but I, I just don't know if that is the case i don't know if the emphasis is so much on okay. and it certainly isn't linked with the level the belt level there certainly isn't the, the stigma attached to having a colored belt having a belt that you represent and competing with that belt there's still you still go to comps and look at blue belts competing with other blue belts and you know that they're legit or they're not. And same with purples and browns and blacks and bits and pieces. Whereas I don't think that's the case with traditional martial arts. I think the, the, the goal is to get up through the belts and not make the most of competing in the belts. I don't know. Maybe, am I barking up the wrong tree there? Have I got a different impression? I think it's mega quick, isn't it, in traditional martial not Again, traditional martial arts, come on in it. So you can say, oh my god, but like, was it two to three years to get a black belt in most traditional martial arts? Yeah, and if you're like six years old, you can get a black belt. Yeah, yeah, because that was that was always my personal bugbear when I was coming up in BJJ. Oh my god, are you a black belt? No, mate, I'm a white belt, two stripes. Oh my god, my nephew who's six is a black belt. You must be shit. 
It's like no, mate. It's not. <laughs> well, that's, if, if you're if you're a day if you're a day one white belt and you spar with someone that's a three stripe white belt, unless you're like bigger than them, more athletic than them, if you're on an equal playing field, the chances are you're getting mauled. And you're going fucking out. I need. I'm. You know. I can't wait till I get some stripes because it means I'm as good as them. Special post-COVID stripes. They're coming. You don't really like. I did karate for six months when I was a kid, and I got to the orange sash probably on whatever belt I had at the time. But what I did was learn dance moves. It was basically line dancing with kicks instead of like cowboy boots mate how dare you that's kata man that's sacred <laughs> special yeah mate, i had a really good experience with karate to be fair um but my my instructor i learned karate in a in a very rough area and my instructor was a rough guy he was a gangster guy and still is a gangster guy what did you do what style then i did shot a can that's what i did um and then I guess I was fortunate because I, f- I got onto the England squad um, when Tiki Donovan, uh, who people who know, uh, ad- uh, in fact, Alan um, uh, Witten was also on the England squad uh, under Vic Charles. But that's another guy that's been deep into traditional martial arts. But when you were on that, when you were on that squad, and we used to go up to like Loughborough University because it was like. <coughs> train and then get invited it was a proper athlete's environment and even now when i think back i've done a lot of different things and i think back to the guys i used to spar with there i still think now i wouldn't want to spar it would be a rough spar with them even if i was sparring how i know to spar now or in the even in my prime it it, it they were tough quick heavy hitting athletic people who wanted to be the best in their field they were not you know mincing around it wasn't a cat club it was it was like the england squad they would like out to kill each other you know what i mean it was it was even though it was like a point scoring it it, it just because they scored points didn't mean mean they necessarily had to spar that way that's just how they chose to carry out the you know the point making so and my my instructor never put emphasis on um, you know the softer sides of it. He was like a a wrong one, basically. So he, you know, made it what it was useful for him. Um, so I kind of had a good experience. I'm not saying it lo- it lasted me forever, and I'm not saying I wasn't hungry to learn something else. But I definitely didn't come out of it thinking it was a soft art. It was definitely something that i has given you know has, has made me tough in what i've done after that and obviously the first second did you get yourself a black belt i was a second dan in karate yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I mean i i did I, I did judo at five years old and that was that was um that's a traditional martial art whether you like it or not it is a traditional martial art. They, st- they still have cats in judo, but you've got to go a long way back and you've got to go a long way to find someone who knows them because they're, they're not a practiced thing anymore, really. Um, 
But yeah, to, to caveat everything I've said about traditional martial arts, my exposure to them is of a karate club in the Liberal Democrat Hall in Broadstone. So it's not like it's, you know, a hard, it wasn't a hard club. It was a bunch of little boys and little girls, like literally line dancing. Mm. Um, and then I did nothing but, and then BJJ, which seems hard as fuck. Yeah, I'll, I'll caveat mine as well. I, you know, I got to Brown um, in Shirtcamp, Brown, and two two white lions on you, but one before black belt, and um, really good when I did it. Taught me how to kick, taught me how to punch, taught me how to block. Had some proper fights in the ghetto using it. It was alright. Ghetto. In the ghetto, yeah, in the ground pier. Mixed results, some good, some bad, but yeah, all good stuff, good standing in life. But um, I think as my life progressed and I discovered Muay Thai and um, grappling, I, I, traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu, which I thought was Brazilian jiu-jitsu when I did it, judo, my um, sort of fighting st- stuff veered off and it stayed off. Um, but the, my comment is you get people that are sort of a bit de- delusional. They think they're... Uh, the second coming of Bruce Lee, and they're not, and they've never had it, they've never done anything to prove it. Now, the, the martial art they're learning might be really good, but they've never done anything themselves to justify that that view, and that's my sort of issue. And there's a, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are sort of misguided, miseducated, um, you know, not to mention any names. You've had a few come through the club and leave pretty quick. They, they can't handle the truth that is you can't be amazed at everything you've got to learn. And that's why I think BJJ is so good because you keep learning. Keep well, I, th- I think the thing is about jiu-jitsu is that it is, um, if it, what, what Hoist basically taught the world is still true today. If you don't know a lot, you are swimming with the sharks. And mm. that is, that is difficult to get through that. The, I always look at it like the heat barrier, like in a fire or, or, or a job. Once you get through the heat barrier, it's actually all right. But to get through the heat barrier is really, really hard work. And to get there in the first place is really hard work. And that is like jujitsu. It's, you know, even when you're rolling with a high level person, if you know a little bit, or if you're half decent, it's enjoyable. But if you are literally banking new, it is so far from enjoyable. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing to enjoy about it at all because you're just getting bent up and twisted in all sorts of different directions. Um, it becomes quite a painful process. Whereas in traditional martial arts, probably um, there is kind of a nice learning curve for a lot of people in a more gentle club. Like your the club you went to, Cronk, uh, was probably it wasn't a painful process or actually when I did karate, it was a painful process. I was getting kicked and punched by grown ass men as a, basically as a kid. And it was no, there was no like, Oh, he's like 11. Let's not kick and punch him. It was like, that was just what you got because it was all about toughening you up. It was all about, that, that was all is. And obviously I don't think some of the stuff not saying there's any like, sex stuff, but some of the stuff that happened to me, you could do now. I mean, you couldn't just have a kid stand there and just punch them as hard as you physically could and see if they got up again, which is basically what, what my instructor done. <laughs> and my dad used to sit and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I don't think you'd get away with that now. But when my, because my dad come from that era, and he used to do karate himself, he was like, well, that's acceptable behaviour. That's what you just did. You know what I mean? And and it's, I, I don't know whether it's an era thing or a commercial thing. I mean, it, I think even jujitsu has got this commercial. Uh, there are people, believe it or not, who don't want to spar. They don't want to spar. What did what did you right? You you got smashed by. You know, you got punched. What did you take away from that? Um, Ow. What, as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, you're bound um, to have gone away from it thinking, fuck, I'm not going to chop anyone bigger than me. Well, it wasn't really that because it was, it, was like, um, it was more like a toughening up process. That It was like the done thing. And... I mean, you used to. I was a kid, so I cried. I mean, that's what kids do when they get hurt; they just cry. But then yeah. you got told to toughen up and get on with it. And then after a while, it was almost like a badge of honour. And you know, it was it was something you. It was a process that you went through that gave you a self confidence that you could take something that you knew other people your age probably couldn't take. Oh, I just started secondary school, I think, and. I'm pretty sure that not many other my schoolmates were getting, you know, even to the body, full on punched and to the body and kicked in the body mm. um, by a grown ass man and just having to stand there and take it. Although that sounds draconian in my mind, that was me thinking, well, if this kid hits me, it's not going to hurt me because this geezer smothering tattoos and teardrop tattoos and all this gangster shit going on you know he's punching me literally four or five times a week um, yeah. and it's fine it's a cultural thing as well Dave because you're so old it means that the Japanese guys coming over teaching those those instructors were more sort of true to the source because you are such an old man Dave that you were back in the no, 1950s like, no it's probably true though because <laughs> I was probably only one generation yeah. away so from truer. Anoida, who, yeah. who who initially was one of the people who who brought Shotokan Karate in, I think Kanazawa is another one. I was probably only one oh, lineage-wise. Mm. I was probably one guy down from that guy. Yeah. So it's a bit like in the karate version of Hoist Gracie down. I know it doesn't mean yeah. much, but it definitely no, was. No, it, it, you, I because that's what I see now. Because I did, um, I said not all about me and you, but I did Shotokan. And all the when the guys used to come for seminars and the gradings, they are like these old geezers, but you could tell they're hard, hard buggers. Um, and they all went off to Japan when they're younger to train, and then they came back black belts, and then brought up a whole new load of black belts. Now maybe those black belts, after a couple of generations, become pussies. That's just what happens. It, it you or not become pussies. That's too strong a word. It gets westernized and more soft. Oh, you don't want to do sparring? You sit on the side, mate. Don't worry. Turns into that guy in the little down centre that used to go on before us. Mm. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah, but that's the thing. That's where it's like, to me, it becomes a complete... Because they used to sit and watch those guys afterwards. They used to watch us spar and drill. Yeah. And they were learning wrong techniques and they'd watch us do it and fight. And and I'd be like, my brain would be like, hang on, you've just seen, seen the answer in front of you. What you're still doing, learning rubbish. Uh, if you, there's a book called Angry White Pajamas, which is about a bloke yeah, who um, you've read it, it's a really yeah, good, good book. Yeah. And actually, yeah. it's based about a, uh, a um, is he English or American? English. 
he an Englishman who goes over and trains with the Japanese riot police. And believe it or not, they learn Aikido is essentially what he's training in. The Aikido almost becomes completely secondary to what he learns. What he actually learns is being beasted every day. And what it does, in fact, is makes them so tough, so mentally resilient and hard people that I don't even know if the martial arts is the primary element anymore. It's it's the confidence and the inner strength and the discipline. You know, it, it's it's a bit like I'm not and I'm not trying to compare this to someone who's in the special forces. But if you've got someone in the special forces, they may not, you know, do jiu-jitsu for 10 years or they may not do Thai boxing for 10 years. Would you want to have a fight with that person? Absolutely fucking not. Because one thing you do know is their mental fortitude alone is a force to be reckoned with. They are trained to spoon people's eyeballs out. So ultimately, ultimately, whatever you try and do, they are going to be, and if you put it in a competitive sense, the most competitive person to fight you're ever going to come up against. Because that's just their mentality. Nothing else to do with their skill levels. I'm not saying you wouldn't overcome them in the end with technique, but it'd be freaking hard work. And I wonder whether that is a lot to do with the basis of traditional martial arts, which you like to get these, you know, like in karate in Okinawa, where they just smashed like rice grain bags for like days and their hands were like big clubs of meat you know what I mean and go out and you know fight with rice flowers or whatever the fuck they did I can't even, I don't even know but what I'm trying to say is I think although yes I agree jiu-jitsu is the most varied and or one of the most varied and adaptable martial arts and a little information can get you a long way I think the mental fortitude that's built from competition and the sport aspect very much like judo is what makes the people formidable yeah you, i agree it hurts to do right you mm. can get injured you very rarely get injured from doing kata and, you know it, it you have there's a lot to overcome and i think a lot of people we've said we mentioned this before on here but a lot of people use jiu-jitsu a lot of people use martial arts for mental health Mm. Um, and that's one of the things we talked about with this lockdown, wasn't it? Because we can't we can't do it anymore. But mm. George, you know more about the samurai. What they did a few martial arts, didn't they? But they were yeah. So the samurai used to do the uh, ancient form of Japanese jujitsu, which uh, I'm not too sure how close that is to uh, Japanese jujitsu, um, because essentially what happened in the 17th century uh, they Actually, no, I think it was slightly later than that. But they introduced uh, judo, and the samurai class basically was dirt then. They wanted to push everybody down to the bottom. If you're a samurai, you're scum. They didn't want to associate with them. They confiscated all weapons and said, okay, judo is now the national martial art. Uh, Forget about this jujitsu nonsense. Completely did away with all of that um, and basically forgot about it, like completely threw it away. Uh, And then Jigoro Okano, of course, and then Mitsuya Maeda uh, sort of 
carried that on, did all of the groundwork, worked on and passed with the Gracies. So the samurai martial arts, you know, a lot of it was kind of weapon-based fighting, you know, particularly a specialty with swords or jeets, which is like a sword-catching implement, and then forms of jujitsu. That was their full-time gig, wasn't it? They weren't doing it while they were working in a newspaper. Yeah, so essentially there would be the more mercenary-style samurais who were just kind of peasants who had weapons, basically. But if you were part of the samurai class, which you had to be born into, that was basically your bread and butter. You know, you would learn poetry, you would learn art, uh, you'd learn how to write, and you would learn how to fight. And that was basically your life, pure devotion to that just all of the aspects of warfare uh, and as much knowledge as you can about strategy and uh, battle tactics. Do, do, do you think, George, that um, that like because of the origins of these countries, that they are, you know, they are inherently like Japanese, were like farming folk, they were tough, hardworking people. Do you think these things have been watered down over the years because they've had to be like palatable for westerners oh a hundred percent like you know i feel like i don't know what it is about the upbringing of the sort of westerner but it's kind of like you know you you feel like you are bigger than you actually are whereas i feel in a lot of asian countries i mean i suppose it's the similar with uh you know my wife and stuff of course brazil's slightly different but you know you are a tiny tiny fish in a giant ocean there people don't care about your feelings they only care about performance they only care about you know, things that work, they don't care if they hurt you, it's just the way it is. Whereas here, it's very much like, you know, for example, I started off on uh, ITFC Taekwondo, which is, you know, very kata based, you know, we did squad training and pad work and stuff like that, which, you know, it's great for instilling the discipline, but it'd be one of those things where, oh, we don't want anything too violent. Oh, we don't want you guys to hurt each other. You can only spar if you have the full equipment on and all this sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, they definitely water it down from the sense of they want it to be accessible to sort of, oh, don't hurt my kid. Be nice to my kid. Don't make them too violent. You know, it's just a bit of an outlook for them. What was Taekwondo like in Korea? Do you you have any knowledge of that? Do you know what it was like, like literally back in the day when we talk about lineage in in BJJ? You know, if you if you think of the same in taekwondo was it was it considered or was did it look like a lot of a harder art than it is now well you think about it so wtf uh taekwondo i believe is the more true to sort of the martial art form that was used in the korean army so um you know the original i think it was general Choi hong Hwan or something to that effect forgive the pronunciation but you know it was very much Choi chong Hwan. Yeah, something like he that. He sounds like Pepper's father. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, but it was, you know, it was legit. It was in the martial art. That would be what you'd use to basically kick someone's head. Um, you know, you see in the Olympics now, it's very sport-based. It's, you know, it, it looks kind of strange because they're just bouncing up and down. But, you know, the more military style, I think, is quite aggressive. And, you know, it does have practical application. Um, but, yeah, a lot more aggressive, a lot more head kicking, a lot more striking. Mm. I definitely think a lot of. I, I wonder what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to look like in you know twenty years time, thirty years time, because that's where traditional martial arts is in in the UK and I think in the Western world is now, where it's just been watered down to this sort of palatable level that you can put your kids in and you're not going to worry about them too much. 
um, like very little contact. I, I still think it's great for discipline and confidence for kids and things like that. But I do wonder about whether we've just, as a culture, we've just ruined these things. You know, I, I look at you know even like the likes of Joe Rogan, who's you know a bit a well-known taekwondo practitioner, and but if you see him kicking the bag, mate, savage. The guy has got some savage power. And I still believe today there are certain kicks that traditional martial arts throw. I mean, you know, Thai boxing for a long time um, was also championed as the best striking art for MMA. But if you've looked at some really traditional Thai boxers go into mixed martial arts, they haven't done particularly well. It hasn't worked for them. And I still think there's a lot of kicks that a lot of traditional martial arts do that work a lot better than um, than than all of the Thai kicks. I mean, not just a, a leg kick alone. Obviously, the Thai leg kick is is one of the most powerful kicks. But is well, maybe that's that's the bit there. that's the bit that you take from it. And then you take another kick from another one, don't you? And another kick from another one. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I'm saying, though, Kronk. Yeah. I think because traditional martial arts has had such a bad press that people don't almost... Conor McGregor, when you look at him kick, he doesn't kick like a tie boxer at all. No. Not at all. In that's fact, capoeira kicks. Yeah. He's yeah. got yeah, capoeira kicks, taekwondo kicks. He does a hook kick that he, he likes to do um, quite a lot, which... No, it's a traditional martial arts kick. You know, um, I guess. But then he's he's primarily known for just having a good straight left, really, isn't he? It's. I don't know. I th- I th- I think that, I think that is a little bit unfair on him because I think he does. You know, without shadow of a doubt, his front kick. Um, I, I can't think what opponent it was. Whether it was Chad Mendes or it was oh, some deep kick. It's yeah, team. he ruined Chaz, Chad Mendes with that, didn't he? Was absolutely pivotal in him winning that fight without a shadow of a doubt now to say that he's you know he's got a, a great straight left he has got a great straight left um and a right hook but in order to set these things up it's his whole game that really make that work and a, you know a couple of his fights, his kicking has been pivotal. I mean, with Nate Diaz's second fight, his kicking was absolutely pivotal. Kicks, yeah. Winning that fight, you know, which means he's definitely adaptable. I definitely think he is a better, and a lot of people disagree with me, I think he's a, a lot better martial artist than people give him credit for. I think he's, he's you know, uh, again, Russ, um, what's the... Uh, uh, um, Russian. Oh, it's gone out my head. Khabib. Khabib yeah. is a phenomenal athlete, and you can't just compare his last fight with Conor McGregor to, you know, yeah. the Khabib. Fight. Khabib's destroyed, you know, literally that, everyone he's ever fought. They're at a different, like, if you compare the level of mixed martial artists now to the level of the the people that went into the first UFC. It's another world, isn't it? Because not only yeah, are they ridiculous. better in terms of their fighting ability, because they've been they've trained, you know, the the most efficient aspects of a bunch of different martial arts, and all in their own, 
each one of them is different you know each one of them has different skills and has developed different techniques that work for their body types etc in terms of sports science now it's it's a different world isn't it they're they they're are athletes now yeah yeah they're paid athletes not only that they're paid that's what they do for a living whereas everyone who got you know realistically everyone apart from hoist gracie who stepped into ufc one was a dad bod you know what i mean just <laughs> yeah just getting involved <laughs> and having a fight there was he was the only one that probably did it for a living that was his job he you know he made he didn't really need to work another job whereas everybody else was just sort of having a crack at having a fight didn't they well and they We're, picked hoist yeah. not hickson yeah Imagine if it was Hickson that was in there. Well, he would just kill. He would have killed people, uh, and he would have. I think you know, it was a it was a strange choice by the Graces. I think um, that that's been alluded to a few times. I don't really know the details of that, but um, Hoyce essentially was the first one to put his hand up to to do it, which is is a credit to him because I don't think he was the natural fighter out of the family, but you know. He still freaking killed some people, well, and, he, suppose, and he had a massive fight career. Yeah, I suppose it was like for them as well. Like you know, Hoyce, if he wasn't a natural fighter, like I think it was one they wanted to prove that anybody could do it, given that martial art. That I was, think you're, yeah, I think you're right, George. Actually, it probably worked out better for them in the long run, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, as well, you look at like kind of backtracking to what we were talking about beforehand, you look at the sort of average fighter nowadays, the amount of sports science behind everything they're doing. Like, I mean, you look at the videos of Connor practicing all of the weird, like flashy hand movements he does. You look at Masvidal uh, practicing like that flying knee and stuff. You look at the footage and you're just like, how could they have thought about that? But it's just from hours and hours and hours of watching the same thing over and over again this guy commonly does this he normally drops himself this way like you know you look at dc versus stipe he knew he was going to do that particular uh head movement so he put an uppercut there mm, mm, mm. Mm. yeah bit off topic gents but i don't suppose you saw mike tyson doing pad work the other day did you yeah i did yeah Fucking... whoever whoever didn't think mike tyson was still going to be a scary dude is on yeah. drugs because that that is never going to change yeah, Imagine him right. when he like veers down to the left and puts all his butt up. Be like, oh my god! Is it Run. just uh, slightly off topic? Does anyone looking at Adam right now and thinking jab of the hut? <laughs> I'm, I'm still thinking about breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> look at my look at my cake. Look, he's he's not only his cake, but it's it looked like his yeah. chin was blending into. Yeah, I'm, it's his a lot of mine down. Are you eating a whole cake? Yeah. yeah. Is this a sweetie cake? He is rolling out of lockdown, bro. Feast, we're gonna have to cut him out. He's... I've been to these jobs before. We have to take him out the window. It's gonna be amazing. Side <laughs> control pressure. Deep. So take take the window out to get him out of the house. We're gonna have to get him in the back of the Bolingo oh, and, yeah. and drive him. To Move me around. It's gonna be savage. Think about the kids in the future. though, not about being fat, but back to martial arts. That <laughs> all the kids now that are training, they're gonna be mental, mate. You know what I mean? Is it do you, if you're if you want your kid to learn a martial art, and, and we, Dave, you said, you know, MMA is probably not the best martial art to defend yourself because hopefully you'll never get in a fight anyway. But do you send them to cry or do you send them to no. an MMA school? You, you send, send them, them to, to Sasquatch Studios. Don't get me wrong. I think, I think MMA is the best form of 
martial art to defend yourself without shadow of doubt. I think if you're going to invest in something in order to defend yourself, you've got to, I guess you've got to do it because you want to do it because the chance of you having a proper fight is probably very slim. So if that's your sole reason, you're probably not going to stick with it. You know what I mean? And I don't think for a minute anyone who does MMA, that is their sole reason. I don't think they do it because they want to defend themselves. I think they do it because they want to learn the sport. Um, but I, I guess this is the... Oh, I'm going to be controversial here. This is the anti-Krav Maga. Um, I've always had a distinct dislike for demonstrations that rely on the person to stop moving in order to continue the demonstration. So the <clears throat> the person standing there to be struck three, four, five, six times. I'm not saying there are not guys out there that do crav and the like that are very dangerous people. I'm sure they are. And I'm sure there are guys that can fight and are competitive in their field, whatever they do. But for me, anything that combines a martial art with actually practicing the thing that you're going to do and especially in a competition field with pressure and all the associated variables that go with it there is no better um there is no better thing than that to learn in order to defend yourself because those are the elements you need to learn to be able to cope with because much to contrary belief when you hit people or you go to hit people they don't just stop moving they go and hit you back at the same time mm. and often sometimes there are misses and swings and clashes of arms and clashes of legs and clinches in, and in defense of crab though dave um i'm not attacking crab by the way so oh, no, no 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 because just... right, you crab mate <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna come and get me. bring it on bring on the crab mates we're we're dave are fighting crab mates mate. out we're fighting. Oh, We're fighting, mate. Guys, can we stop being so crabby, okay? Everybody cut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's my bad. Oh, God, um, God. Now, the, um, we, we did a lot of sparring. I mean, it was every session was sparring with crab, but um, it's, self, it's just self-defense. You can't employ it anywhere else, but, you but know, either. I would, I would akin it again to the sparring in a jiu-jitsu gym. I don't know. Have you competed yet, Kerry? No, unfortunately not. Right. So I will say that a competition in jiu-jitsu, if, mm. if that is what we're comparing it to, the competition in jiu-jitsu is so far removed from a role in the gym. It's, it's a completely different beast. Mm. Um, and it's the same as sparring with your friends, self-defense sparring, however it looks, to fighting another person in a caged arena or a ring where that person wants to fucking kill you. And That's why I left Crab because I wanted to compete. Because you, you can't compete in any which way in Crab. It's just you go through the monotony of, of of technique every damn time. You might have done it a thousand times before. And you know, that's why I went to jiu-jitsu is because you do have the opportunity to 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 you know practice what you've been, you know, what you've been you know, learning learning every time you've been rolling and when you first start jiu-jitsu though and first start competing you don't even really get to fucking do jiu-jitsu do you it's just oh, a bunch around. of spastics holding on to each other as tight yeah. as they can Survive. Oh. 
is acceptable. If you see, yeah, if you see a submission, it's like, you know, it's, it's quite good. But schoolboy headlocks, isn't it? Schoolboy headlocks and um, yeah, and Boston. Oh, really? Ah, get off my piece, Adam! Stop grabbing me! Ah. But, but essentially, I don't have an issue. Actually, I think I see some of the Krav stuff, and I think obviously it's an amalgamation of traditional martial arts, like everything else that's been adapted. So it's going to be effective to a certain extent. And there's nothing to say that someone who does Krav against someone who, you know, does anything else, if they are particularly athletic and competitive and good and strong and tough, mm. naturally they are going to beat people up. That's yeah, a lot of it. They was, it was about pushing yourself. You know, it was, yeah, it, was but, it was, but I've, I've never is, been so close to puking than I have in a crab session. But pushing yourself mm. and not being punched hard in the face, because is that, is that stopping? You don't always get to do what you want to do mm. in, in sparring. It's like anything. It's the same in, in stand-up sparring. You don't always get to throw the shot you want to throw and continually throw that shot. And when you get a hard shot and get stopped in yeah. your tracks, then it changes the shape of the fight and the shape of what you're doing. Now, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a gazillion people that are going to say to me, well, in Crav, we we manage that because that's, we train to manage that. But my point is that unless it's put into a actual um, practice against someone else who you don't know who they are, how they prepared or what skills they are, have, mm. they're not training in the same room as you. They're not learning the same things as you. They're not sparring the same way as you. Cause that's not how they spar. That's not how they fight it is very difficult to get a objective view of your fighting skill and how your striking works, how your grappling works. And, and, and I suppose that jujitsu takes a small portion of that and puts it on steroids because what happens is you spar in the gym with everybody like Kronk will know how I spar. He knows what I want to do. I know roughly what he wants to do. So we get into a pattern of, um, sparring a certain way over time our sparring doesn't become as beneficial as it did when we first met. Yeah. So that's why we compete because mm. actually, yeah, I can push Kronk and I can, um, I can, he won't fall for all my old tricks anymore. I won't for all fall for his tricks. I can push him physically, but will we get a true representative of what we are trying to achieve? No. So what he does and what I do is go and fight someone who we've never fought before. Probably. We don't know what they do. We don't know how they act. We don't know because when they do something, it doesn't let us do what we want to do. We don't, we don't, we can't play our game. We can't just fall into our habits because they will react in a different way. And that's taking it out of that sort of sports hall setting. And that's anything that doesn't take out of a sports hall setting, I think will have a problem. Yeah. And that's why I think judo is really really effective because the one thing you do in judo is go and compete (laughs) and you go and fight other people you don't know how they fight and it's you know they're competitive they want to freaking throw you on your head they want to hit you with the planet and you've got you've got to hit them with the planet first and you know it's almost uh, the best thing it could have given to brazilian jiu-jitsu judo was the blueprint for how to make it, you know, if Krav Magar had the blueprint like judo has and, um, 
And someone might tell me, I'm, I mean, I'm sure someone will prove me wrong and go, Krav Maga absolutely does have a massive competition circuit that you don't know about, Dave, where people from different Krav clubs all come together and beat the snot out of each other. Then no. I will be proven wrong. Dude, but, they don't. That's why I left. But that blueprint, <laughs> that blueprint is there with judo, and it's, it's, it's the best thing that could have crossed over with jiu-jitsu that mm. actually primitively... Gracie's did have fights. They did go out and go, right, do you want to have a fight? And they went, yeah. And that was a that was something that was worth a crossover. Um, and I think look, traditional martial arts who've left that behind, it's that's that's where they've fallen down. Speak, Adam. Like um, like I always say quite often to to people when they first come. The good, the benefit of jiu-jitsu is you get a, you get a feedback loop. So you learn something, you practice it on a on a cooperative partner, and then you try and do it to him for real with him resisting, knowing what you're going to do, and then eventually you'll pull it off. Now, not to disparage Krav Maga, but we're on that subject, so it's quite good. Um, from what I've seen of it, it's like right, punch him in the throat with a bottle, sever his artery, suck his blood, and kill him. How does <laughs> it even works? As, as the guy teaching that, as the guy teaching that, has he ever done that to someone? Has he ever bitten someone's nose off and shoved a bottle in his neck? I bet he hasn't. So how how can he prove? How can he, with hands on heart, hundred percent, this is work. This works. I've punched someone before, and the first punch I broke my thumb because he put, he brought his elbow up to block. I couldn't use his hand for the rest of the fight. But that's like a key learning point from having a fight. The reliance there is is based on confidence in something that they'll never they're hardly ever likely to do, which brings me back yeah. to my first point is that you can train in self defense and be really good at it, but the likelihood is you're never gonna use it and mm. prove that it's actually gonna work. And the one time you need it to work is probably not the first time it, you wanna prove it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That is well, that is not the time. You know, everyone that trains, everyone that trains with me, adults, kids, kids is a different story. For kids, it's more about fun, learning. They learn some technique, they learn some fighting, they learn the competitiveness. They don't always, they, and they learn they're not always going to win, and that's an important thing in life. That mm-hmm. some days you're going to come out on bottom, and you've got a choice. You come back and you train harder, learn some technique, get bigger, better nutrition, whatever, whatever your thing is. But with, you know, with, with us as adults, we just need to keep keep training keep doing it and you know it's going to work i'm getting told off being too loud my wife's just told me well i think that is a idle point to say thanks to everyone for the podcast i think we'll be going for an hour and a bit now so it was a good one uh, nice chat about bring your kids to bjj bring your kids to bjj subliminal messages um on friday we've got darren yeoman i know that we'll have another sensible podcast with Darren and talk to him about his business, his life with BJJ. Maybe ask him about his traditional martial arts opinions. Um and um and yeah just generally chit chat. Anyone listening, if you've got any questions you want to ask Darren, just give us a message on the site uh, on the Facebook page and we will uh make sure that it get asked. Um thank you George. Thank you Kerry. Thank you, Kronk and Adam. Thank you, you, David. Thanks, Dave. And see you on Friday 
for Saturday. Darren Yeoman. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Ciao, bye.